June the 14th. I'm your host, Ari Shapiro, and tonight I've got three fantastic writers on the show from Jay's Journal. We have Craig Borden, Matt Graves, and Chris Henderson all offering their insight on a number of subjects related to either the draft and the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Chris Henderson, I'm wondering your opinion, and I've been thinking about this quite a bit lately. Are the Blue Jays truly a feast or famine team? Because I'm looking at this year, and I'm thinking about last year, and I, for some reason, cannot seem to remember a time when this team put together consistency in the runs that they do score. It seems like they either score seven or eight in a couple of games over a weekend or in one week, and then they'll go through a stretch where they can't even muster a single run, um, which we witnessed three weeks ago in a series and then a week ago, and now we've witnessed it again um, You know, tonight. No real, I mean, at least they did score, but we're, we're not talking about a team that uh, um, was able to generate any sustainable offensive uh, drive or push. What do you think about that? Is this really a, a coin flip when you go to watch this team? You'll either get a, a, a heck of a lot of runs or none whatsoever? You know, it, uh, it sure feels like that a lot of the time. And it's kind of what I meant when I was referring to filling in the gaps. And I'm not even really sure what I mean by that or what that would look like because, you know, people talk about, well, we need to address the left field situation. And, well, if you're looking for a guy to just get on base and, uh, you know, consistently be a run-scoring threat, the career is hitting almost 300. And as much as I have questions about um, some of the decisions he makes on the field at times, he fits that description as well as anybody that would be cheap on the uh, the market as far as the trade market goes. And maybe that looks like second base. But uh, this team... Uh, you know, they have the ability to just uh, light the scoreboard on fire, and then other nights you just wonder what is going on. And uh, maybe that means they hit a hot streak in the playoffs, and, and during <laughs> that's one of the one of the runs where they're on fire, and they and that catches fire for them and works in their favor. But right now, it just feels like a little more balance would be would be helpful. Well, and I'd like to tell you that the cavalry's on the way, but really, what, what you see is what you're pretty much going to get for the remainder of the year with the return of Tulowitzki and Donaldson. Travis has now been put out of the equation. If the Jays do need to get some extra power or some kind of um, offensive, bona fide offensive talent, what what can they rely on on the farm to do that? Who would you go to first if you were to call someone up to help bolster this lineup? That's a really good question. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, with this with this front office, you know, I felt like I started to get a handle on what Antopolis might do. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I never expected him to make some of the trades he did, but <laughs> but uh, I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, uh, I, I don't really know where they're going to go as far as trading assets. I guess the question would be, what are they going to get back? They have some tremendous assets that are more lower level, uh, lower rung assets. So if they were looking to really make it make a move that would impact uh, this season and beyond like if they were to get somebody who wasn't a rental then you know they have the assets to, to make some significant offers but I, I don't see them I don't see this front office going out and uh, spending a lot on prospect capital uh, on the trade deadline this year I think it'll be more lower level stuff and uh, more expendable kind of we have a lot of catching depth especially after the draft this week um, so I could see I could see there potentially being some catchers that could be dealt. We're talking baseball with guest Chris Henderson of Jays Journal. Blue Jays unfortunately dropped an 8-1 decision against the um, Tampa Bay Rays. 
And uh, there hasn't been a lot of consistency. It's been a lot of uh, win one, lose two, win two, lose one. Where do you see the streak happening where they could potentially reel off some kind of winning streak, knowing that we have some teams ahead of us in July that will make it extremely difficult for them to do that? You know, of course, I'm talking about Houston and New York and Baltimore and Boston. Um, where do you see them later this month potentially being able to make up some games? Maybe the Chicago White Sox, uh, the Texas Rangers. These are not teams that I love asking you about because they're so chameleon-like in their own nature. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what, what this team can do moving forward? Well, you know, it seems to me that the Blue Jays always seem to play up to their competition. And then I, I, I get frustrated when they lose series to teams that they shouldn't so when I as much as I think you know yes they should be taking those games from the Rangers and the White Sox um, I almost dread when you come into a series like against Chicago because it seems like we just turn the brain off sometimes against teams that are struggling a little bit more but that really should be the opportunity I mean I really think June is going to be the chance to to, uh, the remainder of June is going to be the chance for this team to show um, whether or not the front office should actually be spending prospect capital. And then they're going to get, to, like you, you know, those teams you mentioned, they're going to get those tests early in July, and I suppose that really will even more so determine the direction of the franchise for the remainder of the year. It's, um, I don't know, they uh, they seem to play up to teams, so maybe I'm expecting them to play better in July. Next on today's show, we're joined by Matt Graves. He's a writer and contributor with Jay's Journal and uh, formerly with CFNYFM, CTV, and a whole bunch of other places. We're always happy to have him on. Matt, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me on, Ari. Now, Matt, as you can imagine, last night uh, wasn't particularly exciting for many Blue Jays fans. Uh, Pitching was nowhere to be found, and, and of course, in typical Blue Jays fashion, the hitting disappeared with it. But you had an article recently that people can go on jaysjournal.com and read about related to the bullpen. And I want to get your opinion on the pitching in general over the last little while, especially as it pertains to the bullpen. Maybe talk a little bit about what your article mentions and features so that people coming onto the website can appreciate what you have to say about the subject. Absolutely. So last night was a bit of a far cry for Marco Estrada. It's noted that he hasn't really pitched well against the Tampa Bay Rays this season. And needless to say, they do have our number really well in the last couple of times they've played each other this season. On top of that, the bullpen, to me, it's improved significantly compared to last year. And I say that because over the last couple of years, the Toronto Blue Jays, they've had an issue where they lack a lot of depth in their bullpen. It came back to haunt them last year and the year prior when they made their postseason trips. They got crushed by bullpens from the Cleveland Indians and the Kansas City Royals. They just seemed to have a little bit more than what we did, and that's what really got them to the World Series was just those heavy, hard-throwing arms from the Indians and the Royals. And I think the Blue Jays should replicate that going into this year, and they already have with two players in the names of Ryan Tapera and Danny Barnes. Mm. They certainly have put up some really impressive numbers, and I think a lot of fans, Matt, were somewhat skeptical whether or not they could uh, keep it rolling. I think that there's now been enough of a sample size that we could say that both Danny Barnes and Ryan Tapera are legitimate components to our success moving forward. Do you agree with that characterization? 
I do agree with that a lot, and I agree with it because Tapera and Barnes, they're the one-two, go-to guys that come out of our bullpen, and if you look at the other teams in Major League Baseball that have really good bullpens, they have that kind of similar style where they have two reliable guys that can come in, throw some strikes, prevent runs from being scored, and as I mentioned before, the Blue Jays actually lack that kind of one-two punch in their bullpen. Now they have it. And the good thing about that is that they'll have that running for them in the playoffs if they go to the playoffs, and hopefully if they can turn it around and make that push for the playoffs with Tapera and Barnes. And I know Howell and Grilly haven't really been the best, but you never know what could happen on trade deadline. We're talking to Matt Graves from JaysJournal.com. Matt, where would you rank this bullpen? If a fan were to come up to you and ask you, where do you rank them in the American East? Are we are we one of the top bullpens? Are we somewhere in the middle? Or should people really look at what the let's say the Red Sox and Yankees present and wonder how the how the heck we're gonna compete? I would say we're up there with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Our earned run average isn't bad. It's fairly impressive. I would say they're three seven nine ERA, that's twelfth in the league right now. It's up there. Their strikeouts, their breaking balls, it's in the top five for bullpens among the 30 teams in Major League Baseball. As you mentioned about the Red Sox and the Yankees, yeah, they do have those arms in the bullpen, but I, I got to give it to the Blue Jays. They got a lot of effort going on in the bullpen right now. And I know I mentioned Barnes and Tapera, but Osuna's turning it around, Aaron Loop. I know Loop had a bit of a on and off year last season. He seems to turn it around, and Dominic Leone too. I mean, if anybody goes down, he can just easily come back up from AAA. And I know last night wasn't his best start, but it just goes to show that these guys can come into situations and prevent other teams from getting runs or the long balls being hit away from the park. No, we seem to have this unheralded hero who shows up the job done from the bullpen. Last year, of course, it's hard to imagine the Blue Jays getting the postseason without the mental contributions of a Joe Biagini, for example. Who is going to be the hero by the time the dust settles and the season is over if the Jays make the postseason? Who's going to be that hero in your eyes that will be looked at as the vaunted guy who came out of the, the bullpen and showed that he could stay for the long term with this club? I got to go with Ryan Tapera. He really started to show that last season. He carried it over into this season, and he's building off it, which is really great to see. Um, I'm just trying to pull up in my article here. But as I mentioned before, he's thriving in that role. His ERA is well below three. His walk mm-hmm. per hit per inning mm-hmm. is about below one. And he's got close to 40 strikeouts to his name so far. And I can see that for Danny Barnes, too, because his numbers are fairly similar to what Tapera has right now. Now, are you concerned about uh, the left-handed circumstances or lack thereof that exist in the bullpen, given that um, Aaron Loop is always uh, a difficult lot of fans due to his inconsistency, and he's been better of late. But are you disappointed that Howell didn't ultimately uh, prove to be the tonic that could with the loss of Brett Cecil? I would say so, because J.P. Howell, his idea and goal was to basically come in with the Blue Jays you know, throw a few innings like he did with the Dodgers. He didn't really have the best year with the Dodgers last season, and he tried to brush it off with Toronto. He even admitted that he wanted to come to Toronto because they had a legitimate chance to win. It's unfortunate that it's not working out, 
I know we have a platoon at second between Barney and Goins, with Travis being out for a little bit of a long time. I would maybe consider trading Goins for another arm in the bullpen. His name is Matt Graves. You can find his work on jaysjournal.com. Matt, tell the listeners what you have down the pipe. What have you got coming out soon, and what are you looking at to publish next? I'm hoping to get a series preview right now for the Blue Jays and White Sox series. I don't think they've played each other this year, but this is the first of two series that are going to be coming up. And I think after this homestand, they got a bit of a tough road trip coming up against the Texas Rangers and the Kansas City Royals. I think within the next week or probably up to five weeks, it's going to be that open window where they have to see how they're going to play they got to get the wins, and within five weeks' time, they should have an idea of where they're going to be, what they might have to do, and who they might have to get at the deadline or maybe even let go guys who are on expiring contracts. So right now, at the moment, I would say be patient, but within five, six weeks of that open window, I would start to think, okay, if they're not winning, do we trade guys? If we're winning, do we bring in another arm? As I mentioned before, it's all up in the air, so it's just a matter of time and patience. Wise words and fantastic analysis from Matt Graves. Thanks for joining us today. And now joining us is someone that I've been looking forward to speaking with ever since that first choice was made in the MLB 17 draft. That great moment in every baseball fan's life where you get to enjoy a draft that's taking place literally in the middle of a of a regular baseball season. With us is Craig Borden from Jay's Journal, one of our top writers and contributors on all things minor league. Craig, how are you this evening? I am doing wonderful, Ari. It was a pleasure talking with you as always. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And I know, Craig, that one of the things that really turns you on is evaluating how an organization looks at talent and develops themselves for what will hopefully be a rosy and prosperous future. And naturally, when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays, over the last few years especially, there have been questions about their ability to be a team that can sustain a future based on effective drafting. What were your impressions of the draft over the last couple of days now that you've had a chance to digest some of the choices they've made? Yeah, after doing some of my homework, um, Ari, you know, it's just been first digesting it, like you said. But as far as it goes, I think they played it pretty well. Um, yeah, it is a typical uh, Shapiro uh, drafter as far as things go from his history. He took plenty of safe bets, but he also took some places where I'm happy with the risks he took at those picks. Um, Logan Warmus was one of those guys that you might have not have known about because he wasn't even drafted out of high school. He was just left dangling for everybody out there and he ended up going to college and he played really well so that was a nice safe bet that you got somebody that athletic first round that's probably going to be in the ballpark of an everyday player at some point the um moving along though you got that next pick in nate pearson he's that high risk high reward guy you know he's out of high school but he might be one of the best arms you could possibly get the scouting reports on him are kind of all over the place, uh, but most of them are to the point where it says he has an electric fastball and needs to work on his secondary pitches. Are you a little bit surprised that the Blue Jays position player first rather than finding pitching help? I am a little surprised on that fact, but I, um, if you look through the minor league organization, we have an abundance of 
talented arms that are kind of getting to that tipping point where they're going to start getting into the, you know, becoming successes in the double A and triple A levels. So maybe backfilling right now at that first pick was not their highest priority. No, I would imagine that when Alex Anthopoulos, in some people's minds, pillaged the farm system in an effort to make those key trades that turned the fortunes of the franchise around, those probably weren't wonderful days for you to digest some of the decisions that were being made. Do you still have some regrets about that era or from a drafting standpoint, do you think it was a necessary evil in order to get over the hump to be competitive as a major league club and then later revisit how to restock the minor league cupboards? Yeah, this is always the argument with prospects. Do you want to hold on to them and hope you're good and have something going on like with what the Yankees got with their, you know, play, their uh, situation with all their players right now? They have plenty of talent that's ready to be plugged into the major league team. Or do you do what the Blue Jays did a couple of year ago, years ago and trade to win now? And the, the point is they're prospects, and they might always be prospects. You never know what you're going to get, but if you have that chance to trade for somebody talented to help your team win now, I'm one of the school thought that that's got to be where you got the goals to get to the World Series, and if you don't have the players in place to do that, you got to figure out how to get them. We're speaking with Craig Borden of Jays Journal. Craig, what about the mentality that, that fans have now about this team when it comes to being an effective drafting leadership group that's currently in control? I mean, Shapiro and Atkins were brought in um, having a reputation for having a different philosophical approach. Do you feel that they're fulfilling the expectations of what they promised when they took over leadership of this team from a drafting standpoint? Have we turned the corner from a team that had a weak draft system once upon a time was vaunted about three or four years ago as perhaps being the top five in baseball. Where do we rank now in terms of the grand scheme of how, how much future we have reserved for what's to come next for the Blue Jays? Now, on your first point, I think the new management's been doing a pretty well good job as far as uh, getting the right players that fit our system. Um, you got to look at last year and people like Bo Bichette and Bradley Jones have been doing nothing but rake in their mm. uh, levels and then you start looking at what they're probably bringing into the table this, this year and it's it's exciting and they got some guys there in the college level that might plug into some uh higher levels in the system even right now uh lansing's been slowly watching people go up to the Dunedin level which is the single a plus versus the single a level in lansing and it's starting to see those guys already pay off that they've drafted in the last year so the picture is looking very bright as the uh, Blue Jays have been drafted in the last couple of years. So it's going to only get better, I think, as the Vlad Guerreros and all these guys keep going through the system. Everybody's excited and waiting with bated breath, no doubt, Craig. Tell us, uh, tell the listeners and followers of ours what you're working on right now or what you have published uh, and, and soon to be published uh, on the journal. For the most part, I'm the main recap source for all the Blue Jays Meyer League dailies. So me and Nick Rapini usually are the main consultants on that one as far as the recaps day-to-day -day go. I am also right now working on an article that is going to show the fruits that nobody really knows about in the uh, Toronto Blue Jays Meyer League system. A lot of people don't realize that they are kind of the sleeping giant that we are right on that tipping point of having some really talented youth in the system and high end instead of the low ends for the first time in a couple of years. That's really exciting. And that's something that might surprise a lot of fans who aren't even aware what's going on behind the scenes 
uh, amidst all the glitter that happens during the regular season. Craig, I hope to have you back on the show soon, and perhaps we'll do a roundtable. We'll get Nick involved as well and maybe talk about the top five or ten prospects and what fans can look forward to down the road. Thanks for joining us afterwards.